back to Dragon Readers. I almost forgot the name of the podcast. I'm Nora. This is M. Hi. Uh, welcome back. Dragons. It's dragon time. It's, it's always dragon time for me, personally. Uh, I do not live this kind of life. Um, did you, I, I even started reading a secondary dragon book. Fuck off. That's too many dragons. <laughs> Yeah, I started. I had it here somewhere. Uh, Iron Flame, which is the sequel to Fourth Wing, so that'll be fun. Four wings? What does a dragon need? Four wings? That's that's a bug. That's not a dragon. Wing refers to like a like a like a military group. Oh, okay. They're the dragon riders. Because um, there's the claw and the tail and the other one. And this is not a podcast about that book, though. No, no. This is about Eldest. It is about Eldest. Now, for three weeks, it's about Eldest. Six weeks, if you think about it. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to, you want me to to summary this time, or would you like to talk about... Oh, I feel like we should maybe just, like, do it as we go. I don't know. So this came out in 2005, a couple years after Aragon. Uh, I assume you read this as it came out, since you were into Aragon? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, what was I doing in August of 2005? I was about to go to college for my first year of college. No, I was I was going back to college after my first year. Man, that was a really bad time for me. <laughs> You could have been enjoying Eldest. I was not. I was playing uh, <laughs> DS games and being very depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. I want to get the Rowan stuff out of the way because it sucks. Fucking miserable. <laughs> half the, uh, not half. It's like a third of what we've read so far is about Rowan, uh, Aragorn's brother. Half brother? Half brother, right? Yes. Who... Yeah. Um, no, cousin. Uh, cousin. Cousin? Okay. Um, whatever. The kid, the one that he grew up with who went off to, he was going to go marry uh, Rosie Cotton. Uh, he's He was working <laughs> in a mill to get money so he could, you know, marry Rosie yeah. Cotton. And now the farm's gone and their dad is dead and blah, blah, blah. Things we already covered in the first book. So half the book is about him of going, oh, I'm going to rebuild the farm. Um, but dealing with the fact that uh, all of the bad guys are still loitering around waiting for him to reveal himself because he's their one tie to figure out where Aragon is. Um, I assume this is happening kind of around the, like along the same time as the first book also. Uh, I believe this is all concurrent. Okay. Cause the, the, because, because of the amount of time discussed, it could easily be not aligned with what's happening in the Aragon chapters. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's not super important. Um, but what is important is that, um, he begins. So, you know, the scouring of the Shire mm-hmm. <laughs> where ultimately it's about how the hobbits rise up and defeat Saruman really easily as long as they have leadership. Uh, what if that leader was like just the most boring man who really believed in like open carry laws <laughs> and sovereign citizenship? Cause that's the vibe of Roran over here who's just like, salt of the earth kind of guy he just wants to get married to this lady whose dad is miserable and sucks uh put a pin in that actually we'll come back to that um he's dealing <laughs> with these townspeople are all good decent hard-working folk and they all rally around him except the ones who don't who are all evil um and uh he's gonna create an uprising but entirely in the language of like n- small america militiamen mm-hmm 
Um, even though I feel like this is like fated to crash into the Varden stuff at some point. Like there's no way Roran is not in the Varden army and there's some conflict because Aragon's loyalties are spread across fucking everywhere. He is Skyrimming all sides. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a second too. Um, but it's mostly him like building up this town resistance as they fortify the walls and like they're not going to come here. And then he tells his uh, fiance that she's got to go with the women and children. He aowins her and she's like, how dare you aowin me? That's so rude. Do you know it's 2005? You can't aowin the women like that. And he's like, well, fucking try me. And he does. And it sucks because he sucks. His man sucks. I hate these chapters so much, Nora. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought that it would be more fun for you. <laughs> uh, no, this part I think is like miserable. Um, that's fair because I, I, so much of this is framed. It, I just don't think Christopher has an understanding of why people rev, like what revolt looks like and what like organized movements look like. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he that's understands, true. he understands a fortified army living in a, in a dwarven city real well, but I don't think he understands where people are pushed too hard by oppressors and finally bl- blow up into violence. I don't think he fucking understands what that looks like at all. Um, and so Rowan just seems kind of dumb. Um, my, my thoughts about Paolini's uh, embedded politics uh, just re- do not allow me to have a very like generous read on any of this stuff um, because they're basically like, oh, these, the, the king's men are here to take our lands and our freedoms and we got to stand tall. And uh, it just goes really. Also, the main thing is him and Katrina, that's her name. Mm-hmm. So he wants to he wants to marry Katrina and Katrina's dad is the the butcher right he's the butcher yeah. and there's a bit where and he does he hates Roran because Roran has nothing and also him Aragon hang, hung out in the place where Katrina's father whose name I don't remember um wife died in the in the the spooky part of the woods um common names are going to escape me or uh, proper names so it's fine um, you feel free to interrupt me um. And so he's like, oh, I got to like make something myself before I can make the thing to like ask him for a hand because he's not going to accept me the way I am. I'm poor. I have nothing. And Katrina's like, you idiot. I want to be with you. And I, we're not getting any younger. So you need to talk to him. And he just puts it off. And then they have a nice fight together where it's like all oh, the butcher throws down. He's like, got his cleavers and he's killing uh, fake orcs left and right. And it's pretty sick. That part's great. And it's like, oh, maybe they're going to come to an understanding through the hardship that they face Those together. Those are just soldiers. They're not Urgles. Oh, okay. Um, they're just soldiers. Regardless, he does. It. Do, there's a whole bit where it's like, oh, man, he fucking just murdered those guys with his like butcher implements. And that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, and then he finds out about them like wanting to be betrothed. And he immediately runs away and tells the bad guys. He like gives everyone up in order to like get his daughter back for himself. Cause he's like, she's my property. And like the most fucking hillbilly bullshit maneuver I've ever seen. Um, and I hate all this because this book generally i think it's just a paulini problem uh characters who can who go against what the main character in a scenario wants are automatically evil mm-hmm. that is just like a, it's just like a fictional problem with the, the, the writing of this book um i don't think it's as, as endemic as in the sci-fi book we read though it is there a little bit too where it, mm-hmm. it it's like the default action is oh if you oppose me you must be doing it for some purpose that is bad and in this case it's like literalized where he literally gives up everyone he's ever known so he can get his daughter back as explicitly as his property from the evil like cannibal guys <laughs> yeah after they've already eaten his friends like they they kill someone and like literally the the body is taken and they get it back bones that have been gnawed on like they're literally eating people yeah, and he gives them up bug people yeah I, I yeah but like he knows this and he still gives gives up literally his entire town uh yep. for his daughter and um 
I think it's extreme and I think it's like boring in terms of like a conflict. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. it's like building them actually like coming to an understanding and doing some character work. And no, he's just evil. And then he's dead. Uh, well, he's not dead. Oh, he's not dead. Right. I thought at some point they had a fight, but maybe that hadn't happened yet. I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> um, but the Razak do take off with Katrina. Yes. Right? Yeah. So we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. Uh, I just want to lodge my complaints, start off with the shit I hated the most. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Where I think this part sucks. I don't like Roran at all. Uh, you told me that he's like a fan favorite. People like him more than Aragon, which speaks really poorly of the Aragon fandom, if you ask that me. Was, that was the case at the time. I okay. don't know how true that is now. I will also say, fun fact, uh, Roran is explicitly um, based on christopher paolini's father in real life oh oh that's miserable <laughs> i literally almost called him aragon but no uh that he is i remember the quote that he gave in some interview was like i know that if something happened to my mom my dad would do everything in the world to save her and that's what i was channeling into Roran. Because it opens with him like, oh, he blames he blames Aragon for his dad's death, and they're like, oh, they're like cooking with something here. He's like gonna he's gonna become a cop, right? Like my initial perception was like in the brewing war, he's going to take the other side and become like a member of the army, and we're gonna finally get a, a some viewpoint of the bad guys. This isn't just their evil, spooky, evil bad guys, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, which does not happen. There's there's no there's no nuance <laughs> to the bad guys in Eric, which is fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying this is what I expected versus what I got. Um, and instead he leads an uprising but entirely in like you know tea party language which is going to happen in in three years from when this book is published it's in the water yeah Um, but that's that's like my majority of my complaints here you thought I was going to like this guy I don't know why you thought that (laughs) I don't you know Maybe okay. humans can't understand each other. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Because <laughs> every time I went to a road chapter, I'm like, these are the worst. And uh, our friend Kim was like, oh, yeah, I st- when I was reading this, I started skipping these chapters. I hated them so much. So <laughs> I think that I come around on Roaring a lot by the end, by like the end of the next book. Okay. Um, There's a like, you know, I like him. I like the, the type of guy that he is. Uh, I also think that there are some points where uh i would kind of skim there's like one specific chapter that i kind of skim every time because i just can't follow it Mm -hmm. um which is just uh the way things go sometimes yeah um the main thrust of the book is aragon faffing about in the dwarven kingdom and then aragon on the road and then aragon faffing about in the elven kingdom that's as far as we've gotten and I, I say that I'm, I'm not being drug. Actually, this stuff is mostly really good. I think there's like interesting, weird things to talk about. So before he leaves the Dwarven Kingdom, um, Hrothgar gives him like basically like adoptive status in his house. Like he's he will be mm-hmm. considered a son of the king uh, if he accepts this like this this helmet that's engraved and Oric uh, Oric's coming with them on the travels. It's like Oric and Arya and Aragon and. Uh, and Sephira, and then some and other the dwarves who don't really matter. <laughs> um, and it's like, oh, you, you get to join my house. And they, he, he thinks about it a moment about like, what's this going to mean? 
Uh, there's other stuff before this, I guess, because he didn't do the swearing. Yeah, the swearing is in this the book. Politicking first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've read this over like two weeks and so <laughs> maybe a little muddled on the order of things. But I want to hit this point first because I think it's really yeah. interesting. Um, this is like the the thing that I'm like most curious about how this works out. Um, he so he accepts being adopted by the dwarves. He's a, he's a human writer. There's a whole bit where Arya says, "Oh, like there's there was some discussion about." humans shouldn't even be allowed to be writers because they're, they're short lived and they suck and everything they do is evil basically. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we agreed eventually to do it. Um, and you know, seen how it's worked out. All the fucking dragons are dead. Um, and then she, he goes to the elves and he gives the elf queen this later wait at the end of what we've read today. He gives her the ring that he got from Brom and she's like, you shouldn't have carried this. Only elf friends can carry this, but I'm bequeathing it to you now and naming you elf friend. Um, and it just has the vibe of like, you know, in Mass Effect where the right answer is just to tell anyone what they want to hear so they'll make your war score go up. Yeah. That's what's happening here. <laughs> Aragon is gathering victory points. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like on some level, um, unless Aragon gets tossed into real conflict where he has to pick one side over the other, this is the the Mass Effect problem of the human will come, solve all of our real centuries long racial differences with their humanness and willingness to compromise and somehow usher us into a grand like racial melting pot era the very like neoliberal conception uh, because there's a lot of stuff about like elves and dwarves not liking each other being having fundamental disagreements about their cosmology and belief systems that make them constantly at war with each other we will touch on that a little bit because i think there's some interesting stuff there um i will say that christopher Paolini's favorite shit in the world is mass effect yeah that's that's known <laughs> yeah so it just has like a, oh aragon's going to like reconcile all contradictions between all the fantasy races and unite them in a new kingdom even if he doesn't become the king and aragon's already expressed i don't want to be king and everyone's like good because if you want to be king we'd have to kill you uh <laughs> basically yeah um because we don't want another galbatorix hanging around and fair enough i wouldn't either um and so that part is giving me some disquiet. I just don't trust it's going to like square the circle in an interesting way. Um, mm -hmm. but that it's fine. It's not, this is not a problem. Like I think the Roran stuff kind of sucks. I think this is just like very, this is like genre trappings that I come, you find a lot and I don't love them and I have critiques about them, but it's fine. It's not ruining my fun or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, this is what the, my reaction in reading this was like, oh, he immediately is going to, to solve all of their problems, which uh, I think the dwarves stuff is, there's all this stuff about like dwarf religion. The dwarves pray to like this God that created them. They have a whole cosmology of like the, the high deity. And then everyone who, who does different things. And the one dwarf who created, or the one God who created all the dwarves and breathed life into them before the rest of the races existed. Uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, the Silmarillion. I read that too. <laughs> <laughs> me too i also read it um and then the other the other gods were like you can't just go create people and then created other people after that and so like the elves and the humans apparently come after the dwarves in this cosmology according to the dwarves right the elves are because ari i guess Arya is our representative of elf cosmology and goes praying isn't real idiot <laughs> <laughs> she's it's just so full on our atheism <laughs> Arya is so r slash atheist like She's picking. She's known for going to temples and picking fights yes. with priests. Yeah, it's super obnoxious. It's like the rudest shit in the world. <laughs> she has this air of like perfect, pristine grace and wisdom. You know, this elf that's that's ethereal and magical and beyond mortal ken. But then, what does she do? She hangs out in temples and picks fights with priests because she's an atheist. Yeah. 
Um, there were some other moments too that stood out of like she was talking to Aragon that one time, and she just turns around really fast, touches his face, says, "I don't want to talk about this," and then leaves. It's like, what are you, what, what are you doing? Why are you so weird? She's a fucking weirdo, and we get some information <laughs> like she's she's the princess of the elves and kind of got exiled by her mom or whatever, and she's like a hundred years old. And Ar- Aragorn's like, oh, I didn't realize it was in the milfs basically when he hears that, because <laughs> um, his all his all his affections towards her. There's a whole bit where he's like. I don't want to touch her mind because she's going to realize I'm into her. And I'm like, you idiot. She already knows this because you're the most obvious boy who's ever lived. <laughs> um, but before that, we yes. have another uh, little brush with romance. Well, first, um, what's his face? The guy who runs the Varden. Right, yeah, we'll start at the very beginning. A twin disaster, you yeah, might call Aji, it. Yeah, Ajihad fucking dies instantly, and yeah. Murtog and the twins are both assumed dead. They're clearly not dead. They didn't find any bodies. This doesn't come up in the reading we've done. No yeah. one even no one even talks about it. It's like, oh, Murtog's dead. I'm like, Murtog's got a book. He's not fucking dead. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> the twins probably aren't dead either, because it'd be more satisfying to get them killed by Aragorn at some point, because they're clearly evil. I assume they betrayed everyone and ran off with Murtog. Did Murtog betray everyone? I guess we'll find out. That's the big question. I think that's clownish, if true, because Murtog is the only guy who clearly isn't betraying anybody. He's like the most earnest person in the book so far. <laughs> uh, other than Aragorn, I guess, who's only earnest because he's 16 an idiot um but uh yeah uh so ajad dies and nasuada his daughter is the the varden council want to make her clearly the like puppet leader so they get to control everything and um nasuada is aware of this because she's not a fool and basically is like yeah i'll agree and then it goes to aragon and is like all right i want you to swear or aragon offers to swear fealty to her specifically and not the varden council which the varden council wants uh thus really cementing her as the voice of power will not be led by a council and uh that's what happens and everyone the council flip out and like oh you've made powerful enemies today aragon though he leaves mm-hmm. so not really let's be real not really um and uh, that part's all really great. Nasuada seems to have a good head on her shoulders. <laughs> yeah. This is um, in order of screen time and sort of relevance to the arc of the plot. Yeah. Uh, Nasuada is our, I guess you would say, uh, tertiagonist. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> our third uh, protagonist of... Um, yeah, we don't really get story. chapters of her yet, if we ever Not do, yet. but... Um... I do like her. Uh, there's a whole bit where, um, who's the other, there's like a, what's the dwarf on the council? Cause uh, there's what? a dwarf on the council. It's not, it's not her off guard. It's not Oric. It's the other guy. There's not a dwarf on the council. Is there not a dwarf on the, there's one guy on the council who's, who's like the cool guy that Aragorn already knows. Who's like, I, who's the only oh. one who's happy that he swears fealty to Nasawada and not. Dormander. Yes. He's yes. That right. Was, he's not, he's not a dwarf. Uh, yes. Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the only good guy on the council, basically, because everyone who opposes Aragorn is evil, and everyone who politics is evil, except when they're not. That's <laughs> um, true. That's how the world works. Yeah, you know, it's just a very like simplistic viewpoint uh, to take, and it's not like ever questioned or critiqued, um, because I don't think it's Aragorn's viewpoint. I think it's Chris's viewpoint, which is fine, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, Nasawad is put in charge, and that's when they decide they're going to go and do the training stuff. Uh, there's the, the Varden are leaving the Dwarven city, um, of Farthendur, and they're going to one of the human places, right? And they're going to, yeah. The, the state to the south of the empire. Yes. 
where they're going to actually start moving directly against uh, the Empire and Galbatorix and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it for them. I, th- I don't. Th- is there anything else? Uh, oh, um, one other thing is the Angel is going with them and not with Aragon. She's like, I'm going where the, the action is. There's no action bigger than a war, so I'm out. <laughs> Uh, but also we get, uh, first we get Safira gets super drunk, which is great. Right. Safira does get drunk. Yes. Um, and then Aragon and Safira have to go to the funeral for Ajahad while they're hung over and just kind of like grin and bear it. Um, but also, uh, <laughs> uh, Aragon is visited by a mage from Duvrangergata named Triana, who just puts all the moves on him and they all work. Oh, right. right. I forgot. <laughs> I literally forgot about this lady who's clearly evil trying to hit him with the sex magic. And he goes, man, I'd love to fuck this lady who's hitting me with the sex magic. And Safira <laughs> goes, how dare you get ensorcelled by a lady hitting you with the sex magic? <laughs> she literally has a like snake armband who do- that does the hypnotized dance from the jungle book at him. That's what happens in this chapter. <laughs> it is. It's happened. <laughs> It's cartoonish. He's like, oh, yes, ma'am. I'd love to go with you and have dinner. I've never wanted anything more. And Sarah's like, knock it off. You're being ensorcelled. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have a talk about romance. Yeah. Because um, they're linked uh, inextricably. So the other the person, if any person exists, must also be chill with Safira. Yes. Yeah, so there's a whole bit where it's like, yeah, I have to, I have to, we would share an intimacy if it's weird. You, they're part of a polycule. This is what happens when you're with a dragon. <laughs> if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my dragon. Yeah. Um, it's fucked up. <laughs> also, um, this is like at the end of our reading. There's a whole bit where they're in the elven place and the elves are doing like a, a just a normal forest festival where they sing to cause all the trees to flower like help propagate the forest and make it rich whatever and no one no outsider is supposed to hear it like you know humans doors whatever dragons aren't supposed to be there and hear it uh, because the music can drive them mad and so they have this moment where Saphir is hit with the fucking sex song and suddenly realizes (laughs) what desire is for the first time and gets really bummed out about it because as far as she knows she's the only living dragon which means there's no chance of her ever finding any mate and having children or propagating whatever but she does get extremely horny once it makes her deeply depressed which is very funny (laughs) uh i remember one of the things like that always stands out in my memory of um of this book is the scene where like the two of them are there and aragon is like watching all the animals pair up and run around in the forest and he's like oh man and then Saphira is also like, oh, man. And so Saphira is fe- feeling her own mortality for once as like a one-year-old going, mm-hmm. oh, it really sucks. that I've never like I have my ancestral memory. They talk a lot about dragon ancestral memory in, the, in this book uh, in a way that's more concrete than the last book. It's very funny to me. And she's like, even though I have my ancestral memory, I didn't really uh, feel what it was to like know these things. Um and Aragorn's like, yeah, it sucks, but just try not to think about it when you're down. If you want to mope about it, mope about it to me. Be codependent. Don't do it on your own. It's fine. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's not a way to, like, detangle your two's weird entanglement. You're just making it worse. But he's 16. This is the most 16-year-old boy shit in the world. If you ever feel <laughs> sad, please come to me. Don't come to anyone else. Don't think about it on your own. Only bring it to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, as per um, a comment that we had last time about tone, yeah. Uh, can I read you the first sentence of this book? Yeah, sure. The songs of the dead are the lamentations of the living. So thought Aragon as he stepped over a twisted and hacked Urgle, listening to the keening of women who remove loved ones from the blood-muddied ground of Farvendur. Oh, cartoonish. Because most of this book is like people sitting around talking about stuff. So an uh-huh. opening with that is really hilarious to me. He's so sullen. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, so they, they, they leave the Dwarven Kingdom, they go to a Dwarven city, they meet some dwarves that are not as cool, and those dwarves are in the middle of a weird scuffle because they have, like, a clan that betrayed them. They hates that there's a writer in their midst and causes, like, declares a blood feud, it's just, like, messy. Um, mm-hmm. and Arya goes and argues with their priest, as the priest is, like, trying to show, uh, like, trying to tell Aragon about, like, Dwarven culture because he's a member of Dwarven society now. It's really important that he understands at least a little bit of this. She just comes up and like starts to fight. He's like, oh, you, you're back. And she just begins her decades long argument about how God isn't real and prayer's fake. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, get off of it. Also, we learned that the that this type of dwarf guy is uh this like particular order. Yes. Where Angela. Got yes, this is what I wanted to talk about. Sword. Yes, they're basic. They're basically like Shaolin monks, and they have the double bladed lightsaber that Angela's using because she took yeah. one off of the priest. And he's like, oh yeah, she she won she won it in like combat. With, just as it won it from a priest, and they're not happy about the fact that she has one. It's of those. A, it was a contest of riddles. Okay. I, I knew she won it, the and they're really sore about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is funny. Anyway, um, yeah, they leave that, and that's when they go in, like, the elven... Or There's just a part where they're just finding weird animals. They talk about weird animals. Not really that interesting. They're all um, just big animals. They're all yeah. just animals, but big. Yeah. They're in Pokemon land right now. Uh, <laughs> they're in Palworld. Yeah, there's, like, a dwarf riding on a giant... Uh, it's a it's a goat, but it's weird. Uh, and they talk about how the goats that are weird are kind of people, but then they go to the mountains and up high, uh, Sephira finds things that are like dragons, but aren't sapient. Like they're, they're animals, versions of dragons. And so she just like toys with them. And then she comes back down. And is like, glad, glad you didn't kill them because like, there aren't that many of them. They're endangered animals. Please don't kill the weird dragons. that aren't people. D and D has a pseudo dragon. That's, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and so they get to the, they get to the elves, um, and they meet some new elves and the, el- it turns out that most of the elves are just like, these elves prance the minute they see Aragon and Arya <laughs> and Arya's not a prancer. Arya's a brooder. And they realize yeah. that most elves are prancers, not brooders. <laughs> yeah. Arya stalks. Yes. And uh, there's a bit where Aragon's like, what's your fucking damage? He's like, please tell me, like, I care. What's your damage? She's like, how dare you say that to me? I don't share anything. And uh, he's like, oh, but you should share with me. She's like, no, I'm not going to be doing that. Thank you. <laughs> you know how many books we have to get through? <laughs> um, and and skulks away being grumpy. Um, but we also uh, get a um, little bit of weeaboo here because Christopher has made elven like honorifics that attach to the ends of n- your names oh right yes god so we we get Arya Svitkona yes uh, or voter for for the men yes um I didn't really think of this as like weeaboo shit uh, just because the, the names used but yeah there's a, mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing is um 
the way they describe elves is they're like they they, they hold grudges forever. They they aren't really expressive of their minute to minute emotions because they live really long lives, and so they don't. They it's hard to understand them as a human or even a dwarf because they're basically immortal unless they die. Token elves, right? Um, what he's describing is a Vulcan. <laughs> they're just <laughs> they don't eat meat. They're they're all vegetarians. They care a right. lot about like long term plans and uh, taking care of the big picture of things and being like not taking on weird responsibilities. The younger lived races. I'm like this is this is Vulcans. Uh, you're describing Vulcans who live in the woods to me, which is fine. I understand that on some level the two are inexorably linked, but I'm like this is I don't understand why anyone thinks elves are cool because they're just they're either they're either fools or assholes. Those are the only two types of elves that exist. Yeah, the wood elves and high elves. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't I, I don't like either of them dwarves dwarves like weird stubbornness and like secretiveness has always been appealing to me they're just like we want to get our shit done we want to be left alone it's hard out here for a dwarf we're just like dealing with our own business elves are always so like paternal about it like oh we're going to control everything but don't don't ever ask us for anything because it's not your way to understand child um mm. we're just beautiful and smart and we live forever and we know everything and we're always right and then they're ne- they never are because the stories can't be about that because the stories are about the fucking humans who barge into elf society uh which just makes them the biggest assholes in the world <laughs> they don't ever get a win they're always wrong <laughs> the thing for me about liking elves is i like that how often they are also sad everyone can be sad (laughs) yeah i know but it's different it is different when an elf is sad you know i i don't here's the thing is there's this whole bit where it's like oh the the elves that meet them in the woods are like happy people they always sing they're enchanted by nature they dance around and they they make Arya dance and smile it's like and aragon goes i didn't even know Arya was capable of smiling and here she is dancing and smiling um it's only Arya and her mom who are sad um yeah and so it's like all these elves live in this beautiful place that they've maintained for millennia, maybe. Um, the trees are alive. They sing their ships. Like they, they, they sing and the houses and the, uh, the, the boats all like emerge from the trees organically. Uh, they don't even like cut the trees down to make things. Um, but every once in a while, one of the named elves stands around and goes, but it's sad to live forever. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're just just, just demonstrating every moment why you live in paradise and you're just going to mope about it. You're just going to have a big fucking mope about it. I, mm-hmm. These guys are so obnoxious. This is like this isn't an el- <laughs> this isn't an inheritance problem. This is a fantasy problem for me. I think elves don't make any sense to me. Why are they like this? Why would anyone like these guys? They fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. They they're they're cool to look at. I'm just I'm just a dwarf guy, not an elf guy. Yeah, you know that's fair. Um, um, I will say it is definitely like four thousand years or whatever, yeah. or less, because we do get in this reading we get basically a history of the world. Um, and Chris Palini stands up and says the Earth is six thousand years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, the history of this part of the world only goes back like what it. Like two two thousand years. Yeah, there's because... a bit where there's a bit where they mention that humans come from the south. Like a boat just landed one day and humans were here. They're like surprise, a new race. Um, and they kind of they they stuck around and created kingdoms and shit. And everyone's like, yeah, they're they're just from other places. Like this isn't all the land. Uh, there's other lands and there's got they've got people there too. And everyone's like, oh, we could get them. It's like, yeah, you're gonna fly to like South America? No, you don't know where that is. It'll take you years. <laughs> yeah. Um. So humans showed up briefly for a little bit. Yeah. And then they left. And then King Palancar <laughs> yes. came by. 
and like started making a kingdom which extremely north. sounds like some guys realized there was some new land they could settle and they're going to manifest that destiny <laughs> yeah uh but then they ran into elves and started having a bad time of it yeah it's like oh this land's taken shit we're already here <laughs> uh but palancar's like war with them is what convinced them to add humans to the riders because I to appease the- them yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's really weird. But then they, they're like, oh, and then Palancar, like, everyone deposed him because he was a bad king. But we just let him and all of his relatives live in a giant tower as they all killed themselves. Uh, and that was fine. Normal thing to do. <laughs> That's what justice no. looks like to elves. Just let just let this family line eat itself. Uh, well, no, they uh, they didn't live in the tower. They set up, the elves set up like a watchtower over right. the Palancar Valley to just keep an eye on them. Yeah, but it basically is like, oh, left to their own devices, no land to conquer this family, just like self-destructed, right? But the but the blood of kings still runs through Carvajal. <laughs> Who says they're kings? <laughs> Why are they kings? Well, the blood of a king. They're just some. They're just some. They're just some <laughs> fucking settlers who showed up and declared themselves king. That's what all kings are. Ah. Where's the divine right? Where's the mandate of heaven? Let's let's get some fucking real grounding for these kings. It's unknown. Like, I guess humans don't really have r- religion yeah. outside of Helgrind uh, in this world. Yeah. Uh, they do use the dwarven alphabet because when they yes. showed up on their boats, they didn't know anything about words or like well, reading or writing. Aragon ignorantly goes, why do dwarves use human runes? And he's like, oh, son, <laughs> these are dwarven runes. We had them first. <laughs> uh, which is very funny. Um, it's weird because like, Humans basically seem to be religious-less. Uh, dwarves have a, a huge, like, uh, you know, pantheon of gods. Elves don't seem to ha- seem actively hot. Well, it's only Arya. Seems actively hostile of religion, but also clearly have, like, an animist, like, spirituality, where all living beings have a soul that they communicate with, um, which is a, that's a, that's a religious belief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it helps that they can actually talk to the things that they think have souls, right? Um, they're communicating with animals and shit. Uh, but um, it does, it does, it is a weird, like, dichotomy of everyone's belief systems sitting next to each other. Yeah. And then the others, as for the others, um, <clears throat> the elves came from across the sea, obviously. Um and oh weird i wonder what, what happened there did they did they find some lights and there's a big spider who, who drank the lights and shit uh all uh, you know i was <laughs> i don't think that there's that many answers in these books but no no no. it's fine it's just very funny it's like all oh, the elves came across the sea <laughs> i've seen that one before chris i re- i remember something about it being maybe a little bit more like uh valeria uh from game okay. of thrones rather than um the place from uh, middle earth valinor um, <laughs> i understand yeah, why you might be confused <laughs> no i meant valeria from yeah, game no, no, of no. Thrones. i know um and then the urgles showed up chasing the elves basically is how they were described so maybe they were from the same place who knows are the are uh, the the urgles what is what's urgle culture what do urgles believe in where's their capital well by the end of this book you will have more details about that they don't have a capital because okay. they don't it's kind of like an orc in uh, Elder Scrolls situation where they they don't have like a a set a like sedentary homeland situation. Okay. 
Um, Finding out that we're going to find out about Urgle culture has me deeply worried. One fear. (laughs) (laughs) It'll it'll probably be fine. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, they they meet the queen. The queen reconciles with her daughter, kind of. Though Arya is very clear to Aragorn in private that, like, what choice did she have? Her mom came to her and was like, all is reconciled. It's the queen. We need her. Like, we're about to get you training. That's really important for the history of the world. So I said yes. (laughs) Kind of put my yeah. back against the wall here. Um, they're very gracious to everybody. Uh, and then they're like, hey, uh, could you come down next morning? Uh, we got something to show you. And you swear I'm ever in secrecy. You can't tell anyone about this. I'm like, oh, well, they have another dragon, obviously. Um, and they lead them to a cliff. And off the side of the cliff comes a fucking dragon and a rider on the dragon. New dragon, new rider. Huge dragon. Yeah, big golden dragon with a rider. You might recognize him from the cover of the third book. In <laughs> I did not. I did not because I haven't seen the cover of the third book. The, the second book is a red dragon, which has not been mentioned. So yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I've thought uh, that this would be a good place to end. Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, fuck you, Nora. I'm going to read the next chapter. <laughs> Hit the next page. It's a fucking roaring chapter. I was like, ah, I've been got. I've been had by Chris also. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I figured that um, that character showing up might overshadow everything else. So I wanted to make sure that we talked yeah, about yeah, all yeah. The other cool stuff before that. Yeah. Uh, we are entering our Dagobah arc. <laughs> uh, that's true. I guess. we. Oh, also, we didn't mention Aragon's been because he was slashed in the back by the shade. Every every time he tries to do anything protagonisty, he's like caught in intense pain and can't do it. He falls over, passes out. Yeah. He has like a seizure. He has anime disease, but it's a big scar on his back where I guess, to be fair, I had complained last last episode. Why is he so sad about the scar on his back? It's just a sick scar. It turns out it's way worse than a sick scar. He's got weird poison <laughs> scar. He's got a weird like spine damage. Scar? Yeah, they have to they have to heal him before he can begin his training. Um, and they're going to work on that, I guess. Oh, also, he meets a werecat, but it's like a little girl with like sharp teeth. But it's a little girl, but she's she looks old. Yeah, Gal Gurus are... here, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "I'm a werecat," and you're like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah, um, there's no halflings in this setting, so there's yeah. no like parallel here. But she's like smaller, but she still looks old. And she knows who um, what's his face is the other werecat, Solumbum. Yeah, it's like, oh, I know him. This is Mod. Is that yeah, right? Mod? Yeah. I love the werecats. They're great. Um, for some reason, I didn't consider, even though they're called werecats, that they could just be people. I was like, someone bums is called a werecat because he can talk and like has a consciousness and bigger than animals. Uh, but no, obviously they can just be people. Werecats. Yeah, Solon Bum shows up as a boy in the first book. I don't remember that at all. When they do the heist for the scrolls, he's outside the window in boy uh, okay. form. And I think in the right. Battle of Farthendur, he fights as in boy mode. He's okay. boy mode. <laughs> He's boy, boy mode. It's all in bone. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I love a training montage. On record as saying it's one of my favorite things. So I, all of this, like, Aragog just learning about history and culture. And you got to twist your hand in a little way when you meet the elves. And uh, whoever has the lower status has to speak first. And then the dwarves are like, here's our stuff. And here's our gods and whatever. I eat this shit up. Is it good? Yeah. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> it's not like it's, bad. It's fun. 
Yeah, this is this is like this is what I'm like. Oh, I see how I could be a fancy person, even though I profess to not like fantasy that much. Um, is because this stuff is usually entertaining to me. Um, it's just the part where when I ask what does this all mean, and I go, well, the human's going to solve everyone's problems for them, and it's going to suck. Uh, that I get sad, but that's all books. That happens in sci-fi too. Uh, yeah. Look, anomalous readings is is a cavalcade <laughs> of crimes about humans solving everyone's bullshit by being humans, and you're like, well, you didn't do anything special. You just suck. Uh, <laughs> I I start I started a new uh, file in uh, Mass Effect yesterday. So oh, I'm, there you go. Yeah, a classic classic character who just classic. solves all contradictions by <laughs> sucking the most uh, is fucking Shepard over here. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, I say that fondly. Like, I, yeah, like I, oh, go ahead. I'm just constantly as I'm rereading this, imagining the like open world rpg of this setting where you like run around and and go to all of the the cities and see all the dwarves and elves stuff yeah just because my i'm i was also playing some skyrim recently it's called dragon age origins that's the that's the that's the the bummer of it (laughs) i mean when i played dragon age origins i quite liked it um but it's not free it has all of these problems absolutely (laughs) Um, and I probably wouldn't like it if I played it now, but I had not really played any of those when I played that game. I was like, man, this is fucking, I'd played mass effect and then I played dragon age George. I was like, this is fucking cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, so just Eric on traveling, learning about stuff. I think that's just really neat. When you get to the elven kingdom, Christopher throws down his thesaurus and goes, let's find all the fancy words for these elves. <laughs> Pretty. Yeah. Um, it just, where I talked about the terseness of the language in the first book and why I liked it and everything was propulsive. This one definitely indulges in some, like, we're just going to do some pages about nothing and it's fine. It's not excessive. Uh, but it it turns up when they get to the elf kingdom. And I was like, I don't, I already don't like these guys. You're not selling them by doing this to me. I, I, I've read Tolkien. I know what Lothorian looks like. I get it. Also, uh, when they're in the canoes, uh, Aragon gives his fidget toy to this elf and he oh, just right. solves it in two seconds. The dwarves give him a fucking fidget. I love Oric showing up and being like, ah, kid, you want to figure out these rings? It's a puzzle. Uh, he's great. I love Oric. Oric's the coolest guy. He doesn't get a ton to do, but uh, he's my favorite by far. <laughs> yeah. I like Arya. She's a mope, but I like her. Uh, I love Oric. Oric's great. is my one of my faves. Um, I'm sure that you're surprised to hear that, but no, I'm not, not one bit, but, um, so yeah, I good, like I said, didn't like any of the Roran stuff, but I think the Aragon stuff's like a good setup for the, this training arc. Uh, I can't wait for Aragon to go into a cave and have a vision of himself as Galbatorix and go, Oh, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I hope this other dragon isn't an asshole. The, the thing I'm dreading is ah we have a we have another dragon rider and he's like an elf guy and he's like hot shit he's like the jock in the high school movie and he's just good at everything and he's kind of haughty and the dragon treats fear like shit and we have to deal with that for 400 pages if that's the case i'm going to come back and i'm going to be like complaining because that's obvious and boring that's that's my that's just my called shot don't do that chris I will tell you now that's not the case. Good, 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 good. That's all I want. But we are like we are we have a track record now of you going like, Oh, Brahm's pretty cool. Next reading, Brahm's dead. Then you yes. say, Oh, Ajahad's pretty cool. And next reading, Ajahad's fucking dead. Yeah. So who do you think is cool in this part? If they kill Oric, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> Don't kill Oric. You were just saying how cool Roran is though, right? 
Uh, Roran is not going to die. Yeah, I know. Roran has to have like a, there has to be a conflict between Roran probably in the Varden because he's not going to become a cop. I wanted my best vision of this is him as like a soldier of Galvatorix or whatever. Uh Um, But him in the Varden at the Varden are fighting real wars and he's been off in Elfland getting his magical training for two years and he comes back and starts dictating shit and Roran's like, we've been fighting and dying, asshole. What's your excuse? Like, you've just been in the woods. Well, I, had, I had to read the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which would make me like Rowan a lot more, to be fair. If he just became more of, like, a realist and materialist about the world around him, that would be interesting. A way to take him. It appeals to my sensibilities. Um, I just need him to get rid of this, like, village protection shit, like, stat. I assume yeah. they're all going to die other than Katrina. Or maybe Katrina will die and that'll drive him to be like a real militant. I don't know. I'd rather she stay with him just because this this book needs women in it. Um, <laughs> and she seems level-headed. Uh, so maybe she'll pick up a sword at some point and be cool. Maybe she's uh, inherited her father's sick, like, butchery murder tactics. That was so wild. <laughs> <laughs> like, out of nowhere, he starts not only, like getting people with these knives but like cackling and like yes. taunting them yes yes it's like that scene in um kung fu hustle where the, the just the wash lady just goes sicko mode on all those guys that's what that's what happens with him he just picks up his his cleavers and straight up john wick's like 15 guys and it's cool it's fucking cool um our next reading is we're starting with conviction which, as you said, is the next Roran chapter. And we're ending on The Gift of Dragons. Okay. Uh, that's exciting. I'm excited to read it. Me too. I was bummed that I had to stop. But yeah. for different reasons than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just a rude place. It was the perfect place to end it. Rude place to end it. <laughs> I have not figured out Brissinger yet. Um, that might be a more, that might have to be more shorter ones or, or something because, uh, it doesn't have the smooth arc that, uh, Eldis does. Cause I, as I have described it, Brissinger is, uh, what if in the middle of a trilogy, you stop to finish all your side quests before the end? Oh, okay. And there so is a bit, there is a bit in this book where they're like, normally training would take years and i'm like oh we're gonna get like a fucking 10 year time skip where he's like becomes a bad it's you know luke shows up in his chanel boots i see you mr skywalker and he's cool you know um but then everyone goes no 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 the war is gonna happen way before that we're gonna have to hurry it up you're not gonna get the full training arc unfortunately um and uh that's a bummer because i love i love the only thing i love more than montages is time skips where everyone becomes a badass (laughs) oh yeah yeah um so we'll see i'd really like it if this book ends and it's like and then four years pass that's that's short enough i I, that's believable the war is still going but enough time for someone to become a real badass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. though let's be real aragon does not have badass vibes he has like someone's like teenage conan oc vibes to me most of the time um which is very funny (laughs) i will um the funniest part about this all is that if you pay too much attention i think there's a character in these books who's like pregnant for over a year (laughs) (laughs) so uh that's just fun that's great uh Uh, but yeah cooking um i i i think it like i don't think this is like 
as strong of an outing of a book so far as Aragon was, but it's also one third instead of one half. So who can say how I feel about it? Yeah, I was actually like, I remembered having this one as like lower on my list mm-hmm. on the ranking, but mm-hmm. I'm having a really good time. And I remember like, this is when I was in it the most okay. reading this book. Because yeah. the other, like the third one I read a little bit late. And then the fourth one I read, I, I read way after the fact, because that one doesn't come out till 2012. Um, and I didn't read it until like 2015, but, um, this is, this is the stuff that I'm like, yeah, we're cooking. <laughs> uh, I'm really, and I really like, uh, the next arc we're going to have here in our next reading. So, okay. Yeah. I'm excited to get to it. You want to tell people that online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. If you'd like to listen to my podcast, most of them can be found at abnormalmapping.com. You should check out uh, the latest abnormal mapping on 007 Everything or Nothing. It's very good. Um, we have all sorts of stuff on our Patreon, patreon.com slash mapping. I'm playing through Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm, I think I'm nearing the end. I don't know how close I am, but I'm getting there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been that's been fun. I think that's all I, I have, really. You can find me on various social media socials media uh, under the name Skull Daughter. Find stuff I've done at Norplake.online. Find this podcast and many more at uh, patreon.com slash export audio or export odd.io. Uh, apologies for the hissing radiator in the background suddenly, but you know. Uh, if you want to listen to this podcast a week in advance, you can go to the Patreon, give us a dollar, and it'll be there. Uh, otherwise, you know, you have to wait. But we'll uh, we will be back in two weeks. Yeah, with the aforementioned selection. So, um, I don't. I fucking forgot to bring up the the and the thing again. The the sign off. Yeah, yeah. May your sword stay sharp. I'll just say it in in the in the human language, which doesn't have a name. I looked it up. There's no name for the human language. Basic. <laughs> Bas- basic is maybe the most like insulting thing to call like, <laughs> oh, this is English. It's basic. Everything Galactic else basic. like some ornamented bull- uh, ornamental bullshit, but this is basic. This is what normal people talk. How presumptuous. I guess common tongue is also that. Like, we do have the term lingua franca, but it's really funny that the current world lingua franca is usually considered to be English, even though lingua franca, not an English word. Um mm-hmm love it you history could, happens to everybody if you wanted to name it after the the state you could call it the broadring language uh okay broadringish yeah people are just called humans right like there's humans there's not like a new name then go like humes but i always no, hate that no. i always fucking hate that cures <laughs> and humes. yeah yeah no time for that shit that's when it gets too precious uh, Hylian. <laughs> uh, it's weird because Hylian to me like implies a nation, not like a race, but it, that's gotten yeah, real muddy over time. I, I I don't know. Crystal could answer this more. But yeah. Hylia is like a region and a goddess. Yeah, but also so sometimes it means the people got elf ears and sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that. Who Does every say? human in Zelda have elf ears? Crystal, if you're listening to this, please let me know. Yeah, write in to expertaudiopodcast at gmail.com and send us an email about Highlands. Yeah, 
I, I like Zelda, but not enough to have in my memory every human. Well, uh, I'll see y'all next time. <laughs> you already did sign off. We're I already totally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.